0: broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College. We are the Mid Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host Casey, and this this is closing the gap. Hi listeners, I'm excited to say that my guest on Closing the Gap today is Robin Moxkey, an advocate for equal access to technology, education, and representation for Indigenous American people and communities. Join us as we talk about her experience in school, where her career has led her to this point, and gain some insight into some of the challenges Indigenous Americans face when it comes to pursuing education and careers in tech.
1: Hi, my name is Robin Moxkey. I'm Stockbridge, Mohican, Muncie. I'm a graduate of two tribal colleges, Danae College and Salish Kootenai College. And I am in the field of creative tech, um, which we can get into what that nebulous title means. <laughs>
0: awesome. Uh, I know that you are into coding or at least you kind of like started off in tech, like learning how to code for like your MySpace and stuff. And I was wondering if you could of touch on how you got into coding and like maybe a little bit about your education
1: yeah so i would just go to the public library as a kid it's kind of how i spent my time i was lucky enough to have access to a public library and one of the coolest things and none of this i understood what i was doing was technical it was more like how do i get more time on this computer and then by just clicking around you realize like when you're able to tell a computer what to do and that clicks, it's such a powerful moment. It's sort of like the first time I changed oil on my car. I'm just like, I'm clearly a mechanic. So like the first time I was able to do something and get a computer to follow it, it was really an empowering feeling, but I didn't, I mean, it wasn't at that moment that I was like, okay, tech is what I'm into. It was more just like, oh, cool computers will listen to you like they can hear you and again i would go on i was going on this computer mainly to go on the internet and stuff and it started off naturally where like ba- this is back in the days of like live journal dead journal blurdy and zangas and stuff And I remember having a MySpace and it was really cool to like make your MySpace sparkly or change the background. And if you don't want to pay to get somebody's design template, you would just learn some basic HTML. And then it's just sort of builds. Like I remember like once I was able to get like, and it's something as basic as like learning scroll text, just that is such an empowering feeling because you see it appear. So it just sort of built on itself and then Like I realized like, oh, I can tell computers what to do. And then also it's like, oh, you can outside of this, like Python is a really cool language and just learning these other things that, but it was again, just kind of a side hobby. I had a blog where I would just blog about native issues and sort of, um, I mean, that's a really nice way of putting it, I think, but at the time, it's just how most people use blogs back then where you're just sort of shouting into the void and, and in my case, it was a teenager who was native and like having these identity issues. And so my, my blog was just mainly a reflection of that. And I remember I would get comments that was, because blood quantum was a huge issue that I would focus on. And it's really interesting for a kid that didn't necessarily have too many friends growing up or have like a lot of interaction with people, when you're shouting into this void and someone shouts back and so i got a comment from someone and i and it was so interesting because then that sort of motivates you to write more Mm -hmm. um or motivates you to start shouting more into this void in a sense and um as this went on my blog started getting more readership and i remember one person was like if you're serious about changing things you would go to school and at this point um i just had issues with like going back and forth and and things like this um, in my personal life. And I remember like, I just, just college never seemed feasible. Like no one in my family had gone to college. It wasn't um, something I thought was in the cards. And then also I was like a really stubborn teen too. So the idea of, yeah, I want to go to college, but at the same time, I don't want to admit, I don't know how to go to college. And then it also felt like I don't even know where to begin to go to college. and eventually, like another year passes, and I remember at the point that point I was twenty, and I was like, "Well, I'm clearly too old to start college at this point." Um,
0: yeah, I know that <laughs> <and then> feeling.
1: <laughs> the next year, I was twenty one, and I was like, "Well, I'm now I'm definitely too old to go to school." And then you realize, like every year I do this, I'm going to and that, like I will get older no matter what. I should just go to school, and then it's like, "How do you go to school?" And I. I remember Googling that and I filled out my college applications at a McDonald's because they had Wi-Fi access. And I think what a lot of times people don't realize about reservations is it's not only area like I should also uh, reinforce the fact there's like 576 federally recognized tribes in Alaska native villages in the U.S. And so And there's like, I think it's like 172 reservations, and each one is vastly different than the next. So some of them might have access to like fiber op, you know, like fiber, but you're going to have reservations that don't necessarily, some of them might not have access to electricity in certain parts. Like the Navajo Nation, for example, in 2019, over 15,000 homes got electricity for the first time wow and so these disparities aren't often broadcast to the rest of the u.s and so and it's not unheard of like it wasn't like people didn't know what i was doing at mcdonald's it's something that a lot of us would do we would find a fast food place and the thing is i can't hang out at a starbucks because you're expected to buy like these coffees that i couldn't afford i was broke and so being able to like you, they had this dollar drink deal and I could just sit there and like kind of refill it while I'm like trying to figure out my college apps and um, then I got into Danae college and
0: I was actually kind of wondering um, like if you could I know that you lived on and off reservations like through your K through 12 like education and I was kind of wondering if you could um, talk about like the difference between the experience being on the reservation and like Um, you know, elementary and high school compared to um, your experience off the reservation.
1: I think anybody who grows up in poverty in a sense, you don't always necessarily realize you're poor until you're around people who have stuff Mm -hmm. or who have certain things and you aren't able to access these things. It was just, it was never really a concept that I understood. And so And this goes into understanding how being underserved and lacking resources on a larger level, like on a society level or community level, I didn't necessarily understand that. It was just in certain areas we didn't have things and then in other areas we did. I think what I really understood as a kid though, and that's what I internalized and grappled with, was my identity when i'm around other natives and then my identity when i'm around people oftentimes who've never met a native Mm -hmm. and all of those sort of assumptions that are put on you as as any of us who are coming from communities that are sort of marginalized you your identity is made up of stereotypes that other people sort of put on you and then you're having to deal with that and it's one of those I think you can ask any Native student who went to a non-Native high school and when you get to history class and you just hold your breath because everyone <laughs> is going to turn to look at you every single tribe they bring up or and I, I ended up going to a, like a high school for a while there that our mascot was the like the Redskins and it was a really weird moment of realizing like oh okay this is like people actually think because like i don't know i guess i always thought like people knew this was this is a cartoon this isn't us and then you start realizing oh okay like people actually think this is us and people don't even know we exist let alone understand what's going on on reservations and this sort of started to lay the groundwork of what is sort of fuels one of the bigger passions in my life and it's sort of like i don't know over the years it's sort of refined what this is because initially it was like oh we got to change things and then i the moment i went to school i realized i know nothing and then the longer i've been in school and the longer i've worked in like certain fields i do not know anything and i i don't want to be the one telling other people what to do Mm -hmm. but if i can sort of help like carve out platforms so other people can speak and say their truth and then maybe somebody all these people who are so much smarter than me, they will have the answers and come to the consensus. And it's about figuring out what you're, um, I think sort of what you're you're good at. And I think like wedging my way in is sort of like my skill and what I focus now on. Um, But yeah, realizing that people didn't even know we existed was such a weird trip and I still sometimes grapple with that where, you know, I'm living in Portland now and I, you see natives as street names, you say, you see tribes as counties, you see this, but you don't see government representation on a larger level. Right. Don't see, I'm still not seeing people understanding What are some of the really pressing issues going on in Indian country now and not just Indian country, but rural America in general is largely being left out and because of COVID, it's impacting it and creating this divide that becomes a lot larger. And, you know, we need to have these conversations and we need to make that extra effort to bring to include people in.
0: I feel like Native Americans are like grossly underrepresented in tech and computer sciences. And, you know, bringing more opportunities is a good way of like getting more Natives into tech. And so you're also really uh, known for having done the first American Indian Collegiate Hackathon, right? Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, what is a hackathon? Like, could you explain it to your listeners? Because I don't think many people, first off, like know what a hackathon is. And what was kind of like the theme around that first one? And is it the same every year?
1: so aces handles it now and aces is the american indian society for engineering and or uh, science and engineering society and they are an incredible organization i uh, love the organization i am not officially part of it um in terms of like on a professional level they were just nice enough we can get into that story of how i got connected with them but i do recommend anyone who's interested natives who are interested in science and engineering and tech to just look into this organization. It might have some resources that are helpful. Um, As far as for what a hackathon is, the official, if there is an official definition of it, I don't know. How I always viewed hackathons is it's just sort of like a potluck of tech and a potluck of, not even of tech, it's a potluck of what you know. And it was exciting in a sense because it's like, you might have people that have no coding backgrounds, but everybody has skills and i think that's something more and more that instead of uh, i get sort of frustrated when i see this in cs courses where people are expected to learn you're expected to learn certain languages Mm -hmm. and if you're not doing this language then you're just not a good coder or you're not a good programmer but languages are just like learning um uh, like like verbal languages the thing is they differ some people can catch on to one quicker than they can catch on to another some speak to a person more than another so it's meeting people where they're at instead of expecting them to fulfill this like grid of this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you're supposed to do and i think with hackathons what excited me was like okay i might not know ruby or i might not know this but i do know this and maybe i can fill in this one little portion and other people are going to do this and it's almost like it's it's sort of like these it feels like a community building something together and that's really what it is and i learned a lesson with calling them hackathons though because i remember this is, it started off as kind of a grassroots thing. It wasn't an official thing at all. We just do them in the dorms because like someone wanted to learn how to torrent stuff. I think it's long enough time has passed where I can say this. <laughs> so we would all just torrent things. Cause you know, um, yeah. and so it's, it's like, limitations you is up. and then use a VPN and then this, and it's like, Oh, and then actually more students were asking if like they can come to these. And then, then it was like, uh, you know, I had friends that had like amazing like art skills and were beating things. And it's like, why don't you have a website for this? And so it's like building basic websites. And so it started off as this like, it was never, um, it was never like this, this um, like orga- professional organization or movement. It was more just like, oh, this is a cool thing to do. But then I started wondering why we didn't have this on a larger level. And one of the one of the big issues I think that goes on in Indian country is because there's 576 federally recognized tribes in Alaska native villages. And oftentimes what happens with groups that are underserved is we're almost pit against each other, I wanna say. And we're kind of separated even though I think most of us most of us who are native who grew up on reservations or who have lived on reservations, you're going to jump around a lot. And not saying that we like don't get along, but there is kind of a separation sometimes. You might not know what this other tribe is up to. You might not know this. And one of the coolest things about, I think about Indian country is just how dynamic we are right? and how much diversity there is within our culture. So I remember thinking, it would be really cool if we could have this like large national, like hackathon. So I went to a couple of companies and this is also like, I think I was like a sophomore in college. And so there was that like, really naive boldness of i'm just going to like send letters to people and they're just going to tell me no and i'm going to continue sending letters like there wasn't a sense of like defeat after this cuz i there were a lot of nos in fact i had one company tell me it was an organization and they said i just don't think they're interested in this industry they're telling a native that they didn't think that we were interested in this industry which is why they didn't want to put it on and then another group another organization and they're a great company but i remember this other company was telling me they like the idea but they wondered if it could include other groups and i understand that but the whole reason why it needed to be native focused, or i felt like it needed to be native focused, is oftentimes we're left out of larger conversations Mm -hmm. and then things that are that could be centered around us or include us or put on the back burner because it's like well more people are interested in this than they are in this and it's like well this is directly affecting my people like i want to build an app about this like yeah and and that always happens when you have um marginalized groups and so it was like why can't we just have a space that's for us and uh, it was this weird happenstance. I ran into Sarah Echo Hawk, who's the incredible CEO yeah. of Aces. And yeah, she's an amazing, amazing hero. Um, and a huge champion of just not just natives in tech, but getting more people and diversity within tech. And I, she had just given a speech. It was at NASA. Um, I think it's pronounced "Goddard." That's the thing is like, I get to go to these fancy places and I can't pronounce them. But, um, and I remember like, I was like, now's my chance. Cause she's, she's like a celebrity to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, don't freak out. But now you gotta, you gotta go for it. And I had, we had just shot the show for, there was a PBS show that I had been on. I think a few months before, and I remember having a crack phone and I was like, maybe if I show her the trailer, I will look somewhat legitimate. <laughs> and like, um, So I remember showing her the trailer of this in some weird attempt to show her that I was like legitimately, I wasn't just a crazy person saying like, Hey, can your organization sponsor this? And not only was she super supportive of it, um, she, well, initially, she was like, my assistant will get back to you. And I thought it was just a polite, like, oh, okay, like, let that crazy person go. And then her <laughs> assistant got back to me. And and the great thing was, they were like, yeah, if you want to do this, but you're going to direct it. And it was, oh, I didn't, I thought I could just say, hey, we should do this. And then other people would come on board. But yeah. then that, then that was like the first hackathon and they still do hack aces but they're the ones running it and Mm -hmm. and it's it was really interesting though because it's like every time you do any sort of event you just learn so much and i remember having these because then that gave sort of legitimacy to other events and it sort of builds off itself once you have a benchmark there of like oh this does exist there is an industry that yeah. exists for this which by the way the company that told me that is one of well <laughs> i will just say they're supportive of natives now i don't want to like awesome. burn any bridges but it was an interesting thing of like it's so like when they're like we we always believed in this and it's kind of like did you but um no i remember trying to do this um now that we had a little more funding it was like Trying to convince the school to do it, and one of the easiest ways to bring students to an event is to have food. And I remember like telling friends like we we're gonna have this this hackathon, and no one showed up. Yeah. And afterwards, I came back to the dorm and I asked my friends, and I, and they were just like, "Well, I mean, I didn't know what a hackathon was. It sounded illegal. <laughs> and there were, and I had not." Here I was like trying to get this out, not even realizing like I you always have to take your audience into consideration. Mm-hmm. And if you're using acronyms or jargon, that's keeping people out because that was one of my biggest pet peeves about like some of the places I would work in because or even getting into college was I didn't know what FAFSA was. I didn't know right, what yeah. um, GREs or all these tasks that you did. like I didn't know what these acronyms meant and it was so intimidating for me. And I remember that being a big learning lesson because it's like, oh, no, I'm doing that exact same thing where I'm just assuming this this word is something that people would know. And it's like, no, I shouldn't have that assumption. And and then I'm also like it's become a. I don't know, hackathons are an interesting, again, they're kind of a potluck, so they depend on where you're at, right, the the community.
0: So how was it getting thrust into a leadership role like that?
1: Um I mean I, like there's always that I think when I get into those kind of situations and I think like I'm always nervous and in general like I'm just kind of a nervous person I always feel like I'm just an overgrown chihuahua in the sense like I feel like <laughs> I'm always shaking at things but you kind of have to there is the whole like fake it till you make it. So there's a sense right. of like, I'm just gonna do this and you just talk yourself into it. Or at least that's how I approach these things is, even now, like they're recently worked on a campaign and it was like, I'm gonna be the only native in the room on this. And I know people are gonna fight me on stuff and they have worked in this industry for 20 years. But no, I know what I'm saying and I mm-hmm. have to hold them to it and it becomes this thing. So it's like, You just go in these things. I feel like as long as your intentions, well, it's the intentions that really matter and also putting the energy behind it because it's not just about saying you have good intentions. It's also about following through on stuff, which sometimes I, like, lately I've been running into the thing where I bite off more than I can chew, so I'm not doing that part and (laughs) that's what I'm trying to learn a little more. But um, yeah, I, I think it's about just, It's like leadership is an exciting but scary thing. I don't think it's really for me necessarily, but I do think the experience, everyone can be a leader Mm -hmm. and everyone at a certain point should at least try it out see if it's for them like mm-hmm. i always thought i would like it would be something i would like and then i got into it and it's like oh no people should not be listening to me i like to help and facilitate things but i i don't know if i should be leading things
0: <laughs> i think that it's really interesting that you were able to do all of this like within your sophomore year of college i feel like sometimes people can get like down on themselves because they're like oh i don't have like enough experience to like you know, pull something off like this. But I feel like that's a perfect example of like, well, you definitely can. I mean, and people like, you know, want people that are like learning and like growing to be in positions of like creating things and leading things. And when you were um, attending college, you were attending tribal colleges. Right. I was hoping maybe you could like give a little background exactly what a tribal college is and like what makes it different from a non-tribal college.
1: So... I want to say right now there's 32 federally recognized or there's 32 tribal colleges in the US and a tribal college they often serve it will I should first of all state tribal colleges are not just native students except for high school all other tribal colleges anyone can enroll in them and they often serve areas that are underserved and are you know oftentimes really remote um, some of them are located in the middle of reservations. Some of them are right off reservations. So, I mean, they're quite diverse in what they offer, but they are under resourced. But the schools have such great communities, and what they, what makes them different from outside institutions is, a tribal college is a, is a college that's owned, and controlled by the tribe. So the tribe gets to make uh, decisions, and they are all. Um, accredited by I forget the acronym or the I forget the name of the organization that accredits um colleges but they're accredited by and we it would be interesting because I remember we would have like Swarthmore students coming to Danae college and like these schools that would come because they wanted to learn some Like, or take a specific course um, at our school. And meanwhile, like, I would jump at chances to visit other schools. But I really liked personally why I really liked tribal colleges and why I ended up staying after there was. I remember just like I could breathe at a tribal college. It was the first time I went to some place and I wasn't. Because I mean, my life college was kind of the first time that I had like a stable place like I knew where I was gonna be sleeping for the next six months like I knew like people weren't gonna be asking me what I was like I was some sort of dog like I wouldn't have to explain things about my family and people look at me with pity or just like you know I'm around people that I don't have to translate any of that that baseline is already there like people understand where I'm coming from and so there isn't I'm not having to do all that background research of telling people like my people are like from the lakes and this and that no it's like people are just like whatever like and oftentimes there's a familiarity in that even if it's not your tribe there's a sense of like this collective understanding of what it's like to be indigenous in the US, and then also learning from other people of their experiences of being indigenous, which may differ from mine, but just that that sort of kinship of being around people like you is something that I think oftentimes a lot of people get in the US or may not get, mm-hmm. but they can turn on TV and see themselves or they see, but I wasn't getting that. And so this was, for me it was they're incredible schools and i will always have such a soft spot and passion for um schools and i highly recommend them even just visiting your local tribal college if you're not native or if you're native like i mean they're they're just great centers of really creative things coming out of them too um for sure
0: um you have you kind of wear many hats in your career you're a writer and advocate and um you got into coding at a young age and you're kind of promoting tech for all these underserved communities um did you study computer sciences and tech like when you were in college or did you uh study something else
1: yeah no, well that was the whole thing like when i got to college i didn't even know what an associate's degree was like i remember like i had read the comment and it stuck with me and i was like yeah i should go to school and then when i got to school it was like my idea was i was just gonna get some sort of degree that allowed me to um this is a very naive and very like half-baked thought but i remember thinking like okay fine i'll just get this degree and then because at that time I, i mean i was very adamant about my feelings on specific indigenous issues and i didn't know how to push policy and i thought college would teach me that and then i'd go to dc and then we'd change the policy and that's how it works Mm -hmm. and that's not at all how it works and i got to college and the crazy thing was it was like wait you're telling me i have access to all of these other classes like i don't just have to take this and again i would blog on the side like it was just something that i was doing so coding and blogging was just like a hobby for me like it was never i never even considered myself a person like i don't know i just I, I sort of like bumbled through my first e- year kind of in college and it was just so exciting. I w- remember taking the maximum amount of credits because it was just so cool that you could take all these classes like they're available to you. This is nuts. And I remember I would apply to everything and there was an internship in D.C. And because my goal was to like, um, I think my first major I would say was mathematics and then it switched to political science or, or social behavioral science. And I remember seeing on the billboard at Denae college, there was this internship in DC. And again, because I was in the, I would like, I was just so excited. Like being in college is is nuts. You have access to so many things. And so I applied to it. I got it, it was for quality education for minorities. And it's uh, at the time it was run by Dr. Shirley McBay, who's an incredible woman and her, her career is just astounding. Um, I highly recommend people look her up. Um, so I was part of this internship co- cohort, and I don't really remember if there was another native in it that year, but I remember we were given an internship and an externship and part of our, our like the externship or the internship was we had to do our own research project. And, it had to utilize data in some way. And so of course I was like, well, I wanna focus on tribal colleges Mm -hmm. because I, again, it had given me everything. Like I was so excited about them and they're like, "Mm, you probably don't wanna do that. And I was thinking that, oh, it's pushback because they don't, because oftentimes what I get from going to a tribal college is people are like, when are you gonna go to a real school? And so Mm -hmm. I was already kind of defensive about this. And so I thought they were telling me that because of some misconception about tribal colleges, No, they were telling me this because this is how science and data works. And I did not understand this at the time. Usually there has to be a benchmark. And so data is already collected and then you can just pull from that existing database and it helps research. Mm-hmm. For a lot of marginalized communities and marginalized projects or things like this, there isn't data on it because nothing has been funded to focus on this. So you don't have that existing bank. So you're going to be doing so much work on top of the work that you're you're supposed to already do. So I remember, like, I was really adamant I was going to do my research project on tribal colleges. And then I couldn't just open up, like... Um, the I've, like, I'm like i blanking on what the government organization, but it's like the Department of Ed, and just look and pull the data from there, the statistics that I needed for my project. I was gonna have to go to every single site, manually pull, and a lot of them have different interfaces. And I was like, this is too much work. So to help me, I just coded an aggregator, cause it's, which is essentially like a cheap web crawler. Like this isn't, anybody can do this with like 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> and to pull, to help me by pulling data. And Dr. Shirley McBay would watch us in the office sometimes when we were in there and she came by and she was like, what are you doing? And I thought, I'm getting fired for my first internship. Oh my God. And I was just like, well, like, I didn't know what to say. And she's like, no, 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 what are you doing? And why aren't you in tech? And she was the first person to point this and it had never dawned on me before that what I was doing was Because again, I I do believe with tech, oftentimes it's just a matter of opportunity and having enough free time to sit there and learn how to do something and the want to learn how to do it. Um, Not always, but in general, it's like, I think there's this idea that, well, only like certain brilliant type people can do coding and I should be an example of, no, like if you just want to make something sparkly, you can also like learn how to code. And she was super instrumental in being like, well, no, you should get into computer science. So after my sophomore year, I ended up, I had so many credits because I kept taking all the credits I could take. I, I ended up with two different associate degrees from Danae College. And now I had access to all these other schools, uh, heavily thanks to Dr. Shirley McBay. And at that point I had done multiple internships at other places, because again, I would just take any opportunity possible, but I didn't want to leave the tribal college system. Cause mm-hmm. one of the things that I found there was a sense of community that I hadn't, you can't pay for, you can't pay for that. Like, I don't think, I don't know how to express to people what it's like to open, open the doors to a school and see people like you, if you don't have that. Like, I don't, cause sometimes it boggles my brain when it's like, oh, people people can just turn on the TV and see themselves or right. see people like them, or you can open books or things like this. And oftentimes if there is something about natives, it's told through the lens of other people, or it's, told, it's translated for non-native gays and to be in an environment around natives in in fact now like it's one of the things that i struggle with where it's like i like portland i really want to go back to my res but there's also COVID issues and stuff and or not just my res it's like there's other reservations i'm connected to and i want to see friends and family and familiarity and it's funny because I was telling another friend this and they were just like, but Portland's so native because there's like a totem pole <laughs> around them. And I was like, that's not how it works. Like I don't right. just go up to it and touch it and I'm like healed.
0: Mm-hmm. It's no
1: you just want to be around something familiar sometimes. Or of course, yeah. But yeah, that's that's really where tech took, but it, it was never the passion to end up working in Silicon Valley and I like working on projects and I'll still, on the side, sometimes I'll take on projects where it, if like somebody wants to build an app and I agree with like the ethics behind it or the purpose behind it. And um, mm-hmm. now I'm starting to understand. I also have to be able to agree to the amount of time possible instead of, because again, like the the habit of saying yes to, to everything and trying for everything. I, in the last few years, I've ended up in this weird position where now opportunities are coming to me and I'm still not used to it. And so it's a sense of like, oh my God, me? Yes. And then it's like, wait, no, you don't have that time to devote to this. And this is worse because you're setting them up to not uh, get whatever tech they needed from me. Um, But yeah, tech, I always viewed as a tool. And even now I still view it as heavily, I'm not saying it can't be your career, but I think for a lot of people, they get turned off of tech because they're like, I don't see it in my communities. So why would I pursue a career in this if it doesn't exist in my community? Mm -hmm. And that's why I'd like to say it's it's a tool to do a bunch of other things. And one of the great things about it is having more natives in tech means that natives are gonna be directing what this tech can do. Mm -hmm. And to see so many brilliant minds having, because anybody, who's coming from an organization or coming from a group or coming from a community that's not represented, you're going to have a different perspective. And so whatever you create is going to have that background just inherently in your design. And that is so interesting. Even if you're building the same, you're just going to come in with a different idea of what's needed or an understanding of what needs to be done. And So again, this is where the whole facilitating, like creating that like platform for other people to, to, to just be able to have the opportunity, I would say. For sure.
0: So if, um, you know, the whole big like tech dream, um, wasn't your goal as a kid, like, did you, what'd you want to be when you were growing up?
1: Um, I remember like career day and like pre-k and wearing a, a white, um, I think like it took like my grandma's house coat cause it, and then I brought nuts in that had molded cause I wanted to be a scientist, but like a very nebulous idea of a scientist. Yeah. And then a writer was always the dream, but I didn't, that seemed like such a pipe dream that you, like there was never any, I was like, the, well, I, even now it's something like that would never actually happen. Like I have to, even in college, when I, I remember I would take those courses on the side, like creative writing, but it wasn't, how do you go from that to actually writing professionally right. or doing it? And what was so weird was I started getting, and this is also, also why I heavily sort of push. I feel like sometimes I'm a pusher when it comes to tech, but it's more like, no, the opportunities it gave me, and also the opportunities that Tribal College gave me were incredible, and you don't have to stay in this lane. You can go others, and one of the crazy things that came out of it was it sort of gave me a voice, and when I think back to it, like having a blog and having um, outlets like that to express myself Because I'm a very ordinary person, and so I often think of books as like these extraordinary characters. And so it was like, well, like my story is never going to be of interest in a way. And then especially like when I'd be off the res and I'd run into people who didn't even know I existed and sort of dismissed it. There was this like I existed in terms of like being a native and sort of dismissed the idea of our entire culture. Like there was this. that sticks with you and I remember that making me feel like well this no one would be interested in the stories that I have to tell but as I worked on this inadvertently sort of worked on this one platform what that was giving me was an actual platform and then and then it's just sort of grew like that where people were like would you would you want to do this and um I ended up getting a weird offer to be a creative which I didn't know that was an actual job title I thought like I don't know what like it's weird now that I'm in this they call it the creative industry and it's like do you guys really call it that and yeah like I mean job titles are called just creative and you sort of just come up with ideas and They can be tech focused or they can be writing or in my case, I get to sort of blend my love of just storytelling in general. Yeah. So it can be storytelling through film and recently. um, Well, I guess we can talk about projects that I'm proud of later because I got to co-direct a commercial. Well, it's a PSA and I'm really excited about it because it was one of those where I I'm the only native in the room which needs to change um and we're working on that now where but it was it's weird because you're constantly having to tell people no no no, you can't say this or please don't do this like this isn't this isn't this is gonna hurt us more um right and so that i don't know i'm kind of now i'm rambling and i'm also just thinking <laughs> about it but i guess i how i was able to I'm still figuring out how I was able to be a storyteller. And I don't, mm-hmm. there's part of me that like, every time I say it, it's like, oh, it's, I feel like it's just going to, because this feels kind of like a dream that I get to do this. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Like, again, like, I can't imagine like if someone told like eight year old me, like, hey, you're going to be a creative growing up. I'd be like, that's not a real job.
0: I feel that same way about my job. I would, if someone told young me, I would be doing this. I'd be like, absolutely not. There's no way. <laughs>
1: and it's crazy though when you get to do it there is a sense of like it's sir it is surreal like there is i mean you i imagine you go through this too like there's moments of stress in your job and it's frustrating but it's ex- an exhilarating sense of like eight-year-old me would be proud of this and couldn't fathom this and it's it's I couldn't fathom the things that happened in college. I couldn't fathom going to college. Like, there's so many things that you look back and it's like, I always wonder, especially now that I'm that I'm past that age when people are like, high school is the best time of your life. High school was miserable for me. Like, <laughs> the teen years were miserable for me. And it's like, everything just sort of, as long, as I, I think as long as you stay sort of curious about the world, it's, you're gonna have ups and downs. And there are times of like instability in my career, but what I'm finding is like more and more as I learn what I'm interested in and who I really am and what my intentions are, because I realized like a lot of my intentions early on were just like out of like applying to everything was, that was coming from not having that experience before and being so excited about it. But it was also coming from, the same place that the blogging and storytelling was coming from, it was coming from a place of wanting to be heard because I was feeling (laughs) invisible. And so now that I I don't feel as invisible, there is a sense of like, I I think I'm a little more secure in myself and confident. And so I can focus on like, okay, what is my actual intention and what do I really want to do? But I, I do think this is something that. I mean again i'm pretty sure that 60 year olds would laugh at me if i like say any sort of life advice but i always feel like because again i'm uh you know what do i know but at the same time there does seem to be this feeling of like i'll probably spend the rest of my life figuring out what my intentions are and what what i want to do and what i'm curious about but i think as long as you're moving and constantly questioning I think it's a good thing or at least for me it's proved to be a good thing because i don't i try not to get too complacent mm-hmm.
0: um and- it sounds like some good advice for you know young people trying to follow like a similar path as you you know like just keep evolving keep going
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i don't i can't even imagine like kids well i one i feel like is Gen Z like everyone after millennial, or is there another so. one after that? But either way, basically like they're, what Gen Z is putting out there, they're insanely smart. Like they're <laughs> a lot smarter than I was. And I feel like that that's the other thing too, is I sometimes think about it and it's like, oh, okay, part of why I don't mm-hmm. wanna lead things as much as i want to just create platforms is i'm excited to see what other people will build like i know that there's people so much smarter than me i know that there's people way more creative than me like i just got pretty lucky that i'm in these like even now it's like i can name like five other native writers who are better at what i do than i but you know they don't have that opportunity right now or they didn't want that you know they it's those weird things of like time place opportunity yeah
0: the perfect storm
1: yeah all of those coming together but you one of the things that i think is just part of being a good member of society is really or good member of the community is realizing like oh okay like I was able to have my piece of the pie. Now I'll figure out how you can give pie to other people in the community. Like, mm-hmm. um, because maybe they're going to make something crazy out of it. Maybe it's going to be like, I don't know, a chopped episode and they turn this into some incredible dish, this piece of pie that you just ate and they turn it into, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see what other people can build and especially younger generation or the younger generation that's like, That has act that grows up with access to these, or their whole world revolves around tacking away. What are you going to do with this platform, and where are you going to take it? And I don't know. I think if I could give advice to like eight year old me or just the younger me, it's to be more confident in the things that I did and not often. Because sometimes I would blindly run at these opportunities, but then I would fall into traps of, like, listening to what people were saying. Because of it's not like I would do this stuff and people were like, oh, my God, that's so incredible. Oftentimes I would be met with, what are you doing here? Like, I remember it's a very specific feeling being in D.C. and being Native and talking about things and policies that you want to see changed and other people just dismissing it as it just doesn't matter Mm -hmm. essentially like you don't matter you're trying like that was frustrating and that i think i let eat away at me more than it should have and i would just say to anyone who's or kids that are out there that are doing that stuff is just not like it doesn't matter like those people i don't really i still think about them but like yeah it's not they don't affect my career like oftentimes when you leave a space or you leave an area like they're not there like you're not you know the people right. that made my high school career horrible like i never see them i have no desire to there isn't yeah I don't you know, let it stop you yeah <laughs>
0: um so speaking of like things that you had um built um what are some of the proudest things you've done in your career so far
1: um well recently like i think working on the this is indian country campaign was really exciting and being um the copywriter on that but then i got to co-direct one of the commercials but as it was exciting because i just didn't think we would be able to get away with having such a bold message of this is Indian country in the middle of Times Square. Mm -hmm. Um, It was on like 3000 billboards and digital spaces across the US. And it was just a very simple, like this is Indian country. And then there was a whole manifesto I wrote that was given a whole page in the New York Times which is, I'm looking at it right now because (laughs) I, that was something that I did frame and I was like, okay, I want to look at this. That meant a lot because it was like, one, the person who allowed me to even be on this account and sort of in the building, David Kennedy, he was always a huge advocate of indigenous rights. And I remember when this came around i was sort of i don't know there's a sense of like you have to working as a creative there is an understanding of like there's a client at the end of the day like you're supposed to fulfill this this need and as a native i often feel like i'm having to compromise anyway because we can't i can't speak my truth because my truth is going to go against all the things that you read in your history books as a kid it's going to go against these preconceived notions that you have about natives Like I've literally met people who are like, you're not peaceful at all. And it's like, what did you think? I like, how, where do you come up with these ideas? You've never met me, but it's, you realize like they're talking about, they watched the movie about natives once or had an idea. And so I remember when I was on the account, there was an initial idea that was presented and he called afterwards and he was like, is this is this really what you want to say and I was like Nah. like I really would like to say this but and he was like do it just do it and it was like a really interesting moment of like okay I have this I have this person supporting me and like I can just speak my truth and there really wasn't like and I, like I don't know even now I'm still processing how that all went down and it I get kind of emotional talking about it just because he passed away recently and it was right as this came out the day, the day it came out actually, and wow. his, but his push and his, his work exists so much beyond, I mean, he's an incredible, David Kennedy is an incredible person. And um, his, his passion and his understanding and really like his work towards making platforms for indigenous people, I, I think that's the space that I'm in now where it's like, okay, like, this is a great role model for me because he, he showed me how to do it with kindness and without ego. And I think for a while there, I thought I had to bring the bravado, like, I, I thought it was like back to me showing, uh, Sarah Echo Hawk, this commercial on my phone, because (laughs) just because it validated me. I thought I had to do that. Like I thought I had to bring my whole resume to people and say, this is why I should exist. And you should pay attention to me because like, I've done this and this and this. And I thought I had to constantly like, in a sense, list off my resume to people, which probably super annoying to people that I've talked to in the past (laughs) five years. But it was it was coming out of insecurity on my part and a feeling of just like, I have to show people why I should even be in this room. And David Kennedy was the one that taught me like, no. I belong in this room. Right. And I should speak my truth because otherwise it's, I'm doing people, not only myself a disservice, but I'm doing these people a disservice who I'm meeting. They're just going to continue on thinking like a certain way. And I'm not saying anything about it because I'm, I'm in a way kind of scared to like speak this because, you know, and I think, um, I'm still grappling with that where it's like, whoa, I can actually I can actually say things and I'm not gonna get immediately fired. Or <laughs> even if I am like, then I probably didn't belong there in the first place. And yeah, yeah, no, that's been an incredible lesson for me and something that I'm really proud of. So the This is a Noon Country campaign is um, uh, something near and dear to me.
0: That's epic, that's epic. I love that. Um, something of yours that I um, really enjoyed was Code Trip. And I um, I just found it really powerful. And so when you were in Chicago, you had met with uh, Dima Lisa, like the founder of Vismed 3D, like a 3D printing company. And you had asked her, you know, after facing all of these hardships and like all of these obstacles, you know, in your life, um, you know, how did you become a successful person you are today? And I want to ask you the same thing because learning about you and talking with you today, you've faced a lot of um challenges and i just kind of want to know like how did you get through everything and become the successful person you are right now
1: i think this goes into the whole like not not to speak in cliches or tropes but there is a sense of realizing that or at least for me it was realizing that other people exist and other people are going through things and that in a weird way well It's upsetting because it's like you don't want anyone to experience pain or this or that. There is a sense of like, oh, I'm not alone in this. I can't like there's a reason. I never really thought that I that was the whole thing. It was like growing up. I didn't I never really thought things were that bad. Well, there would be moments where it's like, okay, this isn't good. But in general, it was like I didn't you don't know good until you're around good i would say like so sometimes there is the sense of like okay this is just how it is for me and then books always gave me that escape and movies gave me that escape of like okay there's this kind of life but i don't know how to obtain it there is this kind of love and i don't know how to attain it and there's this kind of like acceptance and i don't know how to obtain it and but keeping that hope that i deserved it and it was out there was a really important thing and i think that's really what got me through especially like a lot of my childhood where there was a lot of sense of like not it wasn't even just like not belonging there was just not those basic foundations that i think every child deserves i may have not had access to but i would read about it in books and i would see it in movies and so it was like i i knew it existed it may not be here but i knew it existed and then it's like you go to and for those of us who are picked on in like middle school or high school and it just seems dismal where it's like you know the point where like teachers are mocking you so you're like okay where you know i know but you got to keep that hope of like it's not a hope it's just like knowing that there's something outside of this like knowing that there's something like it will get better and there is something outside of it and I may not know it yet and even now I think that's partly why it's like this is so surreal for me to be moving in the space that I'm moving in now because it's like I wow this is what I thought existed and it does and it does and then I'm finding out these other things exist and it's like oh I I I can have this too and it almost seems like at some point I'm going to it's it's a trap but but it's like no this is just how life works where it's like you just have to i don't want to say like it isn't a matter of like working hard and you'll get it because there are a lot of people who work very hard and just don't have that opportunity and luck for certain things but you know it is really tropey but just not giving up that hope and then continuing to like just just know that you will find your own like you will find your your peace like it's out there and it exists and you deserve it. And I think that's like that's helped me and other people reminding me of that. And also lately, like I've I've had a really good friend who reminds me like just to go easy on myself, yeah. which I always like. Um, Cause there's always a sense of like, no, no, I gotta be this. And it's like, no, like it's okay to be just happy with where things are at. Like you don't have to constantly push it, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's a not, I feel like a politician answering that where I know never... I didn't directly answer it, but I answered a bunch of other things around it. Um, <laughs> maybe cause I don't have the right answer.
0: <laughs> That's okay. I think, I think that was a great answer. I mean, at least I got a lot out of it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It meant so much that you would, um, you know, agree to come speak with us and be on the show.
1: I was super excited. Like, I, th- awesome. I stalked you guys. <laughs> 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 I saw a post and I was like, what? <laughs> no. A little I mutual
0: really- stalking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I th- th- again, thank you. It's always nice to like, to just chat about this because again it it gives me a chance to think about like who i need to send a thank you card to and dr shirley mcbay is one of them thank you for
0: joining us for this episode of closing the gap if you like this show subscribe on spotify you can also find us on instagram at mvstemcte on twitter at midvalleystem and online at midvalleystem.org until next time Keep progressing.